Uh, we're doing this series called Stand, so guess what you need to do now? Stand. Well, stand. All right. Let's put the armor on this morning. Let's get that armor on. Now, remember, we put it on in, the, in His strength and in the power of His what? His might. So, ready? Y'all ready? Put on the what? Belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of peace. Come on, put both, both shoes on. You don't want to go around hobbling on one leg. All right, then what do we do? We take up the shield of faith, and then we put on the helmet of salvation. We get our sword. Get your swords ready. On one, on one two, three. Whip it. One, two, three. All right, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And after we do all that, what do we do? We pray and we stand. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for the armor. Ephesians 6, 10, and I want to read from the Amplified today. I think uh, different translations give us a kind of different, uh, expound on it a little differently, and I love this version. In conclusion, say in conclusion, uh, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from Him, and be empowered through your union with Him and in the power of His boundless might. Say boundless might. Put on the full armor of God for His precepts, that means His principles, or like the splendid armor of heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up, say stand up, against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. Therefore... Put on the complete, say complete, complete. The complete armor of God so that you, you will be able to successfully resist and to what? Stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that this crisis demands to stand firm. See, stand is all over this place. Say stand firm. In your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth. That's this belt. Personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and an upright heart. So we put on the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness last week, and today we're going to be working on the shoes of peace. So verse 15 says, And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. That's powerful, isn't it? We're, we're strapping on these shoes of peace to face the enemy, and we have to do it, and we have to be firm-footed, we have to be stable, we have to be ready. Now, I'm going to go ahead and finish the passage before we get back to the feet. Above all, verse 16 says, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish how many of the, uh, the flaming darts or arrows? All of the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific request at all times, on every occasion, and in every season, in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. All those are coming, but today we're focusing on the shoes of peace, the shalom shoes, if you will. We stay, what we stand in and what we stand on and the importance of shoes. How many of you know shoes are important? How many of you, got, how many of you have more than one pair of shoes? More than, more than five pairs of shoes. I'm not going to go more than that. But you have different shoes for different occasions, right? But we have this belt of truth. It's the preparedness, the belt. We have this breastplate of righteousness. Remember that it hooks together with the belt to keep it in place. And then we have this, this, these incredible shoes of peace. Now, remember, all these things are gods that he gives us. 
It's not your righteousness. It's not your peace. It's, it's, not, it's not anything that we have manufactured. It's everything that God has given us, and we have to be in his army to receive his armor. Amen? Amen. So he says, let's, let's go back to verse 15. And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation, it's to face the enemy with firm foot of stability and the readiness produced by the good news. So, you know, just girding your waist, there's a pre- preparation that goes with that. We talked about our tool belt a couple of weeks ago. And so the same, same holds true for the shoes of peace. We have to be prepared. There's a preparation that takes place that God gives us in the ability to walk in his peace. So we know the Hebrew word for peace is what? Shalom. shalom. Say shalom. shalom. But there's a, there's a New Testament or a Greek word for peace, and I want you to learn that today because it's important. It's called Irene. Say Irene. Irene. It's E-I-R-E-N-E, but it's pronounced Irene. Irene. And that, it almost means exactly the same thing. When you go and read uh, scriptures that have been spoken or been recounted in the New Testament from the Old, it will take the word Irene where there was the word Shalom in the Hebrew, and it'll apply it to that same verse. But let me tell you a little bit about what this word means. It's in the classic Greek, the word Irene literally means, listen to this, a condition of law and order that results, listen to this, in the blessing of prosperity. Can y'all say, can y'all say amen to that? Amen. It's more than just the absence of conflict. It's more than just the peace that we know that, oh, everything's okay, everything's good. It also brings with it a blessing of prosperity. It brings a blessing of security. It brings a blessing of protection. It also suggests a peace uh, a conduct towards one another. But it, there's this bigger picture, and it means humans flourishing and prospering, not because of our accomplishments, but because of God's saving work through Jesus Christ. That's why we have this peace. But I want us to look at it in this context, because I think sometimes we just put on these, we talk about, well, this must be a, a message about uh, telling the gospel to everybody, and it is. But it also, the context of the scripture is because we have an enemy that we need these shoes. Amen? Amen. So we have these incredible shoes of Irene, and we face an enemy that's just the opposite of Irene. Our enemy is about conflict and chaos. If you don't believe me, look at what Hamas is doing in the Middle East. The word Hamas actually means violence in the Hebrew. We are not people of violence. We are people of what? Peace. So the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior, it can bring peace into the world that the world can't understand. The world doesn't get peace like we get peace. Amen? John 14, 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace. He says, My peace I give to you. Not as the world do, uh, gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He was about to go to the cross. He was about to be crucified, and he was giving his, his, his last-minute instructions to his disciples. He said, Listen, don't be afraid. I've got this. You've got this. You've got peace, and I'm going to give you my peace. Peace in the midst of chaos. Peace in the midst of an attack. Peace that you cannot get from the world. But you know what we try to do? We try to get peace from the world. We try to get peace from the world. We think if we get enough money, we'll be at peace. We think if we get the right job, we'll be at peace. We think if we have to get the right mate, we'll be at peace. And there's a lot of truth to that. And, and, but, but we think if we get these things out there that the world says you need to have peace. Listen, most people that are rich don't have much peace if they don't have Jesus. I want to be rich and have Jesus and have all that, right? So I can give it away. Amen? So the world has a way of, uh, that, that speaks about peace. Let me, let me tell, you, say, tell you what Jesus said about that in John 16, 33. 
This is Jesus. This is in red. These things I have spoken to you that in me, say in me, you may have peace. In the world, this is what the world will give you. You will have what? Tribulation. Say tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He says, I've given you my truth. I've given you my word. We talked about it two weeks ago. We put on this belt of truth, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he says, I want to give you shoes of peace. You, already have, you have this breastplate of righteousness. I want to give you these shoes of peace. In the midst of tribulation, stress, trials, afflictions, we can actually be of good cheer. But the world doesn't see. I'm getting ahead of myself. How many of you know the 23rd Psalm or know about it? You've heard it most of your life. Most of you can kind of quote it, you know. We kind of get parts of it right, you know. But most everybody knows that, that, that part in verse 4. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. I will fear what? No evil, for you are with me. Now look what he says next. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare. There's a word pre preparation. You prepare a table before me. Where? In the presence of your enemies, woo! And you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. This, he, does that sound like peace to you in the midst of conflict? We, we have enemy around us. And he's talking about this enemy in Ephesians 6. We have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to, he wants to rob you. He wants to take everything you've got. He wants to, he wants to dis destroy your life. And he says, I want to give you peace. I want, you can sit down in the presence of the enemy. And I'm, I've got you, I've got my rod and my staff. See, the rod and staff, I used to say, what is the rod and staff? Well, actually, that was two, that was two different sticks uh, uh, that the, that the uh, shepherds would hold back then. The rod was the one of protection. The bear comes after your sheep, quack. You've got God's protecting you. My, your rod and your staff. And the staff is the one that hooks that sheep when he gets off. He's, he's in the water and he's about to drown. And that shepherd loves that sheep so much. He, he brings that sheep back in. That's what Jesus did for us. He brought us back in. So we have this rod, this staff that, that they protect us. They cover us so we can sit down in the presence of our enemies and be of good cheer. And all the tribulation in the world can be spinning around us. And we can read the news and we can watch the news and everything in, in the Middle East is, is going crazy. But it's going crazy here in America, too. You understand? And we can have peace in the midst of that conflict. You see, sometimes God puts you smack dab in the middle of chaos. So you can be the peaceful force in the middle of that. You think, how, why did, how did I get here? Well, how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get, Abednego get in the fire? Because they're obedient. So you may be in the midst of it this morning. You may be sitting down and there may be conflict in your family. There may be conflict at your job. There may be conflict in your school. There may be conflict in your personal life. There may just be conflict, chaos going on all around you. But I'm telling you, if you really get the shoes of peace and you really understand what these mean, the peace of God that passes all understanding, if you really get that in the midst of all that, you can have this peace and this calm that the world will go, wow, how do you do it? How do you do that? That's why we need to armor up every day. That's why we need the whole armor of God on, including the shoes of peace. We have to be prepared with this good news. It reminds me of when Jesus was in the boat. Do you all remember that story? He was in the boat, and there he, went, he was asleep. 
I, lo- I love these pictures that he, he was showing me as I was talking about, I was preparing this sermon for peace. And it says in Mark uh, 4, verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Didn't you guys see that picture? Where's Jesus? <laughs> don't, don't disturb him. <laughs> And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? We get in the conflict, we forget about our shoes of peace, and so when we're in the middle of the conflict, Oh, Jesus, where are you? Where are you sleeping? Wake up! I need help! Right? Where are you? Don't you care? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they awoke him and they said, Don't you care? And then he arose. He stood up. Can you see that? Can you see that picture? And sh- whoosh, the waves, the wind. And he just like, huh, okay. All right, what do you guys, what's, go- what's going on? <laughs> Why are you so upset? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said, peace be still. Well, wouldn't you like to have been there? Not just see the movie, just to have been there. And again, when I get to heaven, I want to see the real, real. I want to have a remote control, and I just do whatever. I'm going to type in Genesis, you know, when I boop, 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 you know. See the real thing in whatever. The color is going to be amazing. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You need calm in your life today. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So I don't know where you're at this morning, what's, what's rocking your boat. I don't know what the wind storm is that's coming at you. But you might need this peace today. You might need to know that Jesus really does care about where you're at right now. Because he really does. I mean, if he cares about a sparrow, do you think he cares about you? If he, if he can number the hairs on your head, and it doesn't take him long to count some people's hair. But... <laughs> If you think, if he knows that, don't you think he cares for you? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the stuff that you think uh, you're worried about and you're concerned about. He says, I've got this. It's the peace that passes understanding. Ephesians 6.15, I want to read it again. And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. It's a firm-footed stability. Not wavering, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doubt, says in James. Roman soldiers, they had these shoes. They had shin guards, they had spikes. And if you watch sports of any kind, you know how important the shoes are. I mean, people are making billions of dollars just selling shoes, tennis shoes and, and athletic shoes, right? And shoes are so important. So I wanted to, I wanted to show you something about the armor and what these shoes look like. So, uh, and so when we, when we go into battle, we need to have the shoes of peace on that like similar to what the Roman soldiers had. So if you can throw that picture up there, that, that first picture, what kind of shoes do we need? Uh, oh, what is that? Wow, what is that? Platform shoes. Oh, man, how many guys are old enough to remember platform shoes? Made you feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof? I'm telling you, you don't want to go into battle with that guy with platform shoes on. That is not the guy. That's a raw. I don't know where Richard, take that off. Show, show the right picture. Show, oh, there, there it is. Oh. No. Yeah, I can just see going into battle in those. Pew. 
Now, those do look kind of dangerous. I know some women that they could, they could put that through your... Yeah. Ah, that's the wrong one. Let's see the right ones. I'll just see if y'all are still watching. Now, there's a picture of the Roman uh, soldier's sandals. Okay? Now, I just picked that one. That's their, that's their summer attire because they were open. Guess why they were open? So they wouldn't get foot fungus and all the heat and all the things. And they had thick soles so they would last a long time. But in, in the wintertime, they, had the, they were solid. But they were basically the same shoe, except they just allowed for, the, for, the, for different types of weather. But at the, bo- at the bottom of them, they had, they had these things called hobnails. Go ahead and show the next one. Hobnails. See the hobnails? We would call those spikes or cleats today because they had to have firm-footed stability. Whatever t- terrain that they were on, they needed to be ready for whatever's coming. So they had to plant their feet. And listen, if a soldier came and you were in the street and he was, you were being unruly, all he had to do was step on your toes. And he could get your attention really quick. Thank you, Richard. Those other things he didn't actually mess up. I did that on purpose. Okay. I'm sure you didn't know that. You know, in football, they were, have you ever seen a football game and you see the runner, he's trying to make a cut and he slips and falls? Anybody ever seen that? Kellen, you ever done that? Slipped and fell? Have you ever seen him go to the sidelines and change shoes? They do. They actually go and they'll go, well, or they may at halftime if it's raining or something. Uh, back in the day when they, did have, they had actual dirt on the fields and grass, they used to change their spikes and they'd, put, they'd wear some long spikes because they couldn't get a grip because of the mud. But see, they would have to change them to, to, to actually to change their footing on the different types of terrains that they were facing or that they were playing on. And in the same way, when, when we talk about sports in baseball, have you ever seen a, have you ever seen a batter dig in? And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction. One of the Texas teams is going to the World Series. Okay. You can go ahead and take that to the bank, you know. But when a batter would get, gets up to the plate, guess what they do? You ever see them do that? And they've got these spikes on them, and they're digging in because they've got a certain way that they stand at the plate like this. And I always have my elbow up because this boy Mickey Mantle did it, you know. And, but they dig in at the plate. Or if they're at first base, they've gotten to first base, and they're about to steal a base, guess what they do? They get out there and they get their feet ready. I mean, they're digging in because they want to have a good start. You're seeing track runners. They have these spikes in their shoes. So when they're in the blocks, they can burst out of those blocks and they can grip the, the ground so that they can fly down that, fly down that track. So what this was telling me, the Lord was showing me, was we have an enemy that has schemes and strategies, right? And the wiles of the devil, we have to be prepared for them because he has different types of attacks that he gives us. So we need to have the right kind of shoes on. We need to be prepared with the gospel of peace so we'll know what the end and what he's coming at us with so we can stand. And after having done all, stand. Because he comes at us through generational curses. He comes at us through intrusion. He comes at us through temptation. He, know, he knows how to respond to when, we, when we're trying to fight him off. He will, he will, if he can't get you one way, he'll go the other way. So we have to be ready and stable to mo- even to move and to know when he's coming at us. Amen? So we have to know the schemes of the devil. Let me, let me show you some things real quickly. In Genesis 3, uh, 1, uh, the devil, this is how the devil works. Oh, you just got to know this. He twists our words. He says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast on the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He twisted the words, and that's what he does. When, when God gives us a word, and we hear this word, the enemy tries to come and twist it. 
So you, oh, that isn't really what God said. That's what he'll tell you. Oh, he didn't really call you to the ministry. Oh, he didn't really call you to, to go out into this and, and meet that person and speak life to them. Oh, he didn't really say to give that homeless person 20 bucks. You, we, you're, you know what I'm talking about? He, God will speak to us and the enemy will immediately try to steal that word. So we have to be prepared for that. Listen at this. Uh, how Jesus' identity was challenged in the wilderness. And if, uh, uh, he had just been baptized. He'd been let down in the water. He'd been raised up and the heavens opened. And God said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. He said, this is my son. And then he goes to the desert. Forty days he's fasting. And the enemy, the devil, the serpent comes to him and says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. He immediately challenged the identity of Jesus. Guess what he does to you and me? He, had, he always challenges our identity. He always challenges our identity. If you're not armored up, if you're not ready for what he's got coming at you, you will fall for his schemes. So you've got to, have the, you've got to be prepared, church. All this, whole, this whole sermon series is about being prepared, and it's all in the context of the enemy's got a plan to destroy you. Think about how Jesus had to deal with the Jewish people. That they had believed the lie of the enemy. John 8, 44, Jesus says this, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. He does not stand in the truth. Okay? We do. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So when, you, when God's speaking, listen, the enemy is going to come and try to bring a counterfeit. He's going to try to bring a lie. He's going to try to sow some doubt into what God's speaking to you. You need to know. You need to be ready for those, those lies. How did, the devil, how did the devil get to Judas? Through greed. He thought, I, I, I've got to hold on. I've got to, have, I've got to have the money. 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, that'll do. I'll give up Jesus for that because, I, you know, I'm not so sure about him. And we give up, we give up so easily for things of the world. And God says, are you not prepared? Do you not have the armor on? Are you not ready for this onslaught that the enemy is going to bring to you? Listen, you've got to be aware of his schemes, of his cunning, of his lies. And you've got to be armored up. So the thing about it, I'm about, fin- I'm about done, really. What does this verse have to do with soul winning? Why, why are we singing songs about soul winning today when we're talking about the enemy's attacks and putting on these shoes of peace? Because we live in a world of chaos. We live in a world of pain, of depression, of suicide, of fear, of greed, of lust. The world has, it's going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. We live in that kind of chaos. And the world needs to see us. The world needs to see you. The world needs to see me as believers that are living a life of God's peace. The world doesn't need to see us fearful and anxious. Oh, what's going to happen in Israel? I wonder if God's watching over there. He's got it. He's got it. Oh, what are we supposed to do now? Uh, this is happening. This ha- no, he's got it. And guess what? We've got him. And we have the peace within us. We don't have to worry and go to bed. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I need to pray. You know, we, we have, I, I hear all these things, guys, and I'm not against end times prophecy and all that. But here's the thing. When you hear end times prophecy, 
What did it do to change your life for today? Are you going to live differently today because you know what's going to happen in 10 years? Listen, no, we've got to live today like today's the last day. We've got to live today like he could be coming back today. It's great to know all these things, but we've got a mandate. There, there's a world that's lost and going to hell, and we've got to show them the peace that, that passes understanding. We've got to show them that we're, we're peaceful in the midst of the conflict. I want to close with this passage, and it's, it's not short, but it'll take me about five minutes to read it. It's in Acts 16. God said, this is the one. Paul just cast out a demon out of a, of a young lady that was making money for her master. She was like a psychic, you know. And the devil, and the devil was using her, and they would use this, do- this, this woman, and she was making them money. And he, he finally, Paul finally got fed up with this to get out of her demon. And they arrested Paul because, man, when you mess with somebody's um, their income and their money and their livelihood, they're, they're going to get upset. Okay? They were upset. They had him arrested. He and Paul and Silas just happened to be a sidekick, so Silas gets to go to prison with him. And so they're, they're put in prison. They're put into the, in the inner part of the prison because that's a, the, best, the safest place to keep them from getting away. But it's, y'all know the scripture. Um, many of you do. Acts 16, 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. After they'd been beaten with rods, mind you. And the prisoners were what? The, the prisoners were doing what? You've got to get this. The prisoners were listening to them. What were they doing? They were singing hymns to God. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because if you, if you were a guard, if you were a prison guard and your prisoners escaped, they would kill you. He said, you know what? I'm not going to let them have the pleasure. He's, he was just going to fall on his sword and kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their stripes. He cleaned them up, all the blood, all the flesh where they had been beaten. He washed their stripes and immediately he, the jailer, and all his family were baptized. All, y'all hear that? All his family? Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think Paul was armored up that day? You think he knew? You think he was ready for the attack of the enemy? It didn't, it wasn't going to, he didn't know that he was going to be arrested that day, more than likely. But he was armored up. He was ready. He had the peace that passes understanding. He said, you can, you can whip me, you can beat me, but I'm going to praise my Savior. And you think, well, what does this have to do with evangelism, Pastor? Because that's what the world needs to see in us. Not whimpering complaining, griping all the time about everything, but praising our Savior in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of all the junk that's going on in this world. He practiced what he preached. It's time that we start practicing what we preach as Christians in this world. I'm hearing all these stories. Let's just go in and maim them all. Let's kill them all. God said to love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Yes. 
My Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, I'm a whosoever, Muslims are whosoever's, whosoever believeth in him, they need to see Christians rise up in a faith, in a walk, in a power, in authority, in love, and in peace like they've never seen before. We've got to get this mentality out that we're eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Church, that is Old Testament thinking. That's not grace thinking. Listen, how we respond to the enemy's attacks will, it's your testimony. How you respond to the enemy's attacks, how you respond to the word of cancer will be your testimony. How you respond to the word of divorce will be your testimony. How you respond to the word of bankruptcy will be your testimony. Y'all hearing me? Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. Oh God, where are you? Are you asleep in the boat? Help us. You're letting us perish. Is that your testimony? Or God, I know you got me. I know you got this, Lord. I might need to repent. I might need to do some things. But God, I know... Ultimately, you love me. You want the best for me. And if they kill me, if they chop my head off today, the second they do it, I'm in heaven. I'm with you, Lord Jesus. We've got to move past this mentality of this whining, crying, all this crazy stuff. Because we've got the shoes of peace. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's him. It's him. How you respond to the enemy's attacks just may be a catalyst to winning someone else to Jesus or it may be a catalyst to pushing them away. You hear me? The other testimony, the one, the weeping, the crying, I don't know, God's forgotten, he's forgotten about me. That will not bring one person to the kingdom of God. They're going to go, is that your God? I don't want him. That's your God. If he's that, if he's asleep in the boat, just let him sleep and I'll just go out and do my own thing. And that's what we see in the church do today. The church has got to wake up. That's us. We've got to wake up to the, to the fact that we are world changers. Because Christ, the world changer, lives in us. We have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shoes of peace. We have the shield of faith. We are covered. Our heads are covered with the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And we have the ability to enter the throne room of grace and pray and pray and pray. And be the light that God's called us to be. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Who proclaims peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. My God reigns. I don't know about yours. My God reigns. And he wants me to proclaim salvation. He wants me to proclaim the good news. He wants me to give him all the glory. My God's a good God. And he's, he's got me. He's got me in the palm of his hand today. He's got you in the palm of his hand today. Would you stand?